0: Jess Messon Broadcast is hosted by Jess Fole, a visual artist from Baltimore, Maryland. Jess invites those who've inspired her to recount their tales of becoming professional artists and creators. Through sharing memories and stories, Jess and her guests relive experiences, discuss new projects, and foster new ideas, all while making sense of this crazy pop culture world we live in. Tune in weekly for a variety of guests ranging from musicians, designers, artists, and entrepreneurs who are actively creating the world around us. And now, it's time for Jess and Broadcast with Jess Fole. Hi, what's
1: up everybody? We're back live on Lions Radio Network. This is... Jess Fall coming to you live on Jess Messon Broadcast. We're live here in Baltimore um you know via phone call with a dear best friend, good friend, part of the original Jess Messon crew. I mean, definitely one of the make it happen boys. Um Brian Riccardi. Hi, Bri.
2: Hi, Jess. Good to be speaking how with you today. You? Um, well, how are you? <laughs>
1: To be sitting with you too, Brian
2: in San Francisco. Yeah, just just kind of just kind of waking up here on the West Coast. You know, it's uh, 9 a.m. is early for you know music people, even though I'm not really a music person anymore.
1: (laughs) No, we'll get into all of this. This is such a tale. (laughs) Okay, so backstory on Brian and I. Brian and I met through a friend of ours that I went to college with. I we all packed up from St. Bonnie's, and we met in New York City to go see Disco Biscuits and the New Deal. And Brian was, it was my senior year, your senior year. Brian attended Fordham and we all crashed at Brian's place and that's how I met Brian. That's how I, that's how I remember it, right Brian? Yeah,
2: that is that, was that a- is actually Spot on, yeah that was like exactly how it happened, and I believe there was like around that same time, our senior year, you know we had some party at my you know off campus apartment,
0: um and yeah,
2: you know, you attended that party as well, and it was like i I can't remember if like the party was after <laughs> we had already gone to some shows together um But it was, like, that was all happening around the same time that year.
1: same time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we met technically in college. And I don't know what it was. Like, the way I tell this story, and I think it'll be fun to kind of, like, double back on, like, how you experienced stuff, how you saw it and how I saw it. Okay. So
0: let's talk (laughs) about
1: that. Let's talk about that New Year's that we met. For me, we – I mean, this is back before you'd post everything on Facebook and Instagram, and thank God. Um, but we all – Even though I do, like I, the, do think, I do think – I do think – I don't want to cut you off, but I do
2: think that there is a photo, like one photo from that party at, at, that, at my apartment off campus. Like, I'm now, now I'm going to go look for it. <laughs> I know.
1: I was trying yeah. to party, stuff, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, anyways, we partied down. We pregamed. We were totally prepared to go see Disco Biscuits and the New Deal, and something like that whole night for me was just between everybody we were hanging out with, what we were doing, the music we were seeing, running around New York. I... Had just turned 21 I think I left school when I was 21 yeah and like we were just oh, that's like you're, you're, and... you're youngin
2: aren't you yeah yeah <laughs> you're you're, you're,
1: yeah.
2: you're young for our grade
1: I, I remember that now it's crazy yeah like I lived in New York the summer before then as 20 at 20 years old and was like doing New York things at 20 like it was yeah. <laughs> funny
0: <laughs>
1: um, no but Like, for me, that night was, like, magical. That was the start of a lot of, like, that was January, you know, senior year. So I went back second semester, and I was like, dude, I just want to work in music. Like, I want to work in music. That night, for me, was a game changer. And I just remember that being, like, that whole weekend just being, like, outrageous (laughs) outrageous. And I was like, if I can somehow work in this industry, like, or in, you know, and work with these artists, like I will just be the happiest person ever. And so that was kind of like, it wasn't even something I was planning on through school. And I certainly wasn't planning on painting, but like, what was it about music and the allure for working in music. So a little background on Brian. Brian, um, for what I think it was 10 years, had a artist showcase with his partner Dan Melnick, who in New York City called Turnstile Music Group. And they used to have these huge, like really cool, like showcases all around New York City. And then it moved to San Francisco, and it would. Showcase emerging artists, and they had some guys on there that ended up going on to American Idol, and there was a lot of really cool stuff going on with it. So, Brian, what was it about like the allure for you that like it just turned you on and you wanted to work in music
0: somehow?
2: Well, so I mean, that's so here's the thing this started for me when I was really young. Like, um, I can actually remember being back in probably middle school, honestly, and thinking, you know, this is like when I'm, you know, I've been playing music for years because I started playing piano when I was like six years old. And, you know, by the time I was in middle school, I'm starting to like play with friends, you know, so I'm like playing with friends in a band. And I remember having this idea because I'm like partially a dreamer, but also like in a lot of ways, just, like, a very, like, realistic person. I remember having this <laughs> thought, like, you know, you know, like, every kid at that age, you know, I want to be a rock star, right? You know?
1: Mm-hmm. And that,
2: that thought probably came in my mind, like, when I was way younger, probably when I was, like, five, four, five years old, and, like, dancing to Michael Jackson on the coffee table with my cousin, you know? Right. But – I remember just thinking I would have
1: been there for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we were we were fly little dudes. Like we had we had the sequin glove, we had like the fake red leather jacket, you know, we were like all about MJ as kids. I mean, who wasn't in I don't doubt those right?
1: at all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we used to and we used to watch um the movie moonwalker like incessantly um but yeah anyways so i remember you know even as a kid
1: as we, like, we all did loving... it we all did it and then like dance you know <laughs> recreated the dance moves and like thought that like i mean i re- recall thinking i was like equally as good of a dancer as janet jackson <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah of course right it's like, like every I like, little kid is I know Yeah. Loves it. Like so into it. It's fucking amazing. You know, that's definitely what got me. That's what got me into, you know, music. I think just like at a young age, like just loving, you know, that, but it was like, you know, I think at some point in middle school, you know, as I'm like really starting to play music more, play with my friends, um, I was kind of like, you know, well, it's, such a dream, like, and kind of such a long shot to ever, like, make it in music and, like, be, like, a rock star, but, you know, I started realizing around that age, like, 17th grade, because I was getting really into hip-hop in those years, because it was, like, the years of, like, you know, Biggie had just passed, and, like, Bad Boy was, like, you know, the big thing, especially if you're from the Northeast and, like, kind of, you know, the New York area, and kind of learning about producers, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, that's a way, that's a way to be in music, you know, and not necessarily be like a star, you know, but like working in music, making music, being around artists and musicians, you know, is by being like a producer or being like any in industry somehow working in the business, right? So mm-hmm. I had that idea, like from a pretty young age, and it kind of shaped my... <laughs> direction of like okay I want to go to school you know in a city and you know ultimately like for me it came down to a couple schools it came down to Fordham in New York and it came down to Temple in Philly and I chose Fordham because I knew I just wanted to be in New York where all the record labels were and so I could try to you know intern at some labels and like eventually like work at a label that was like that was the intention Mm um it didn't quite happen exactly that way, but that was, like, really how um, – that was the path I was trying to go on. So, yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> so, okay. That's just, like – I mean, I'm just so – all right. So you we end up at Fordham. You and I meet. And then – okay. At this point, I feel like you and Dan, like, when – after I graduated, after we both graduated, we stayed in touch um became like really good friends and then somehow i recall like i remember at this point like i had already been out on the road with keely screen i had already done some video stuff like jam cam and or jam cam with jam cruise and like some stuff with Justin Kreitzman and like all that stuff. So I had already done that and I was already like, okay, whatever job I can take in New York or get in New York that gets me to New York, but I can stay there. Mm -hmm. I'll do because now I want to do all this other stuff. And that's where I feel like I make the phone call to you. Like we had been partying and, you know, staying in touch and whatever since we met, but how, what was, did I just call you and say, Brian, I, like, got this job in New York, or I have this interview, and, like, I need a place to live now? I don't remember.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. Like, I wish I remembered like, the exact, you know, time that you called me. But, I mean, yeah, like, you know, I think you you mentioned something like, yeah, you needed a place to crash. And, like, you know, of course I was going to let you come stay with us. Like, why why wouldn't I? Especially, like, you know, it's, like, at that time, like, everything was, you know, it's, like, we're young or, like, that. that's, like, what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, like, you know, want to be, like, surrounded with your friends and, like, people who are doing interesting things, you know, especially for me, too, because I was just coming off of, like, you know, that summer after graduating, like, going on a cross-country road trip with one of my, like, you know, hometown friends. And, like, I was kind of, like didn't really have like a a job or a particular direction when I was coming back to New York. I just need, I knew I needed to like be with my friends in New York still. I wasn't done with New York and I was going to, you know, try to find a way in music. So it was like other friends who are kind of like taking that path, of course I'm going to like, you know, support that and yeah. like want to be surrounded by that, you know?
1: And bunk up with each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, because like I'm just like trying to like put the pieces together of like how this all came to be. So I recall like I, you and I like totally connected on the fact that we at the at the end of the day wanted to be working in music, and it was just like I really started that notion when like that became a realization to me that that was like something that could be doable with you in my company. That's why I was wondering like what your backstory was. If that was like always something, even since you were a kid, you know, like you said, that was like part of the plan because that's something I discovered that I wanted to do with you. And I was, you know what I mean? Like, I just always kind of wondered what, right? where that motivation came from and stuff. Okay. So I remember I would apply for, like, any job in New York, and I ended up interviewing for this, like, crazy technical IT company. And the gentleman, the older man who owned this company, was, like, the nicest guy. And I wish I remembered his name, and I wish I remembered the name of the company. But he gave me a great job that I did not understand whatsoever and tried to learn and couldn't. Like, it was, awful inside the computer. <laughs> it was inside the computer and my brain does not think that way. So anyways, this was the reason why this is the job I got that ended up putting me on Brian's sofa thanks to also in part to his roommates Berger and Hillary. What's up guys? Um, so <laughs> I end up I ended up on the sofa at Brian's Astoria Queen's apartment. Great place. Um for what Brian said the other day was like a few months and I don't remember like how
2: long it was. Oh, for sure. Like, this is definitely not like, Oh, you know, like I'm going to (laughs) crash on your couch for like a week, you know, or two weeks and, and like, I'll have a place and be out. Like, nah, you you were living with us for like, it had to, my recollection is putting it somewhere closer to almost like three months is like what I kind of remember which which like i said you know which i mentioned the other day like in retrospect like that's not that much time when you really think about it you know like
1: it's 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 okay, hard you guys have to, to like... understand Brian's like apartment though like it was amazing but it was also three rooms a living room a little kitchen and a bathroom so we're not like i ended up like having the biggest room in the house with the tv and everything no just kidding but like it was yeah I just can't even believe it like I mean I love you guys so much (laughs) I remember like having my luggage like like my shit in like Ikea bags like in like the hallway like that's how I like that's not the first or second I guess I did that at Steve Allen's too in Brooklyn well anyway yeah so let's talk about yeah go ahead
2: Well, yeah, all I was going to say is, like, you know, yeah, it wasn't, like, a big place, but, I mean, at the same time, like... I I didn't feel it was, like it was like encroaching too much on our space. Like it, it was fine, you know. We, you know, so like I said, to, to me, to me, to me, it's exciting. Like you know, what I mean, it's like that's that's what you want to be doing. Like you want to be helping friends, you know, get into the city and do their thing and you know take chances. Like that's that's what you got to do, right? Like <laughs> it's almost like a rite of
1: passage. <laughs> Pretty much, I
2: yeah, I know,
1: Absolutely. it's like you know, like once kind of like when you move to New York, you know, that you have, like, if you have, like, the New York apartment or in, in one of the surrounding boroughs, it's like, you know you're going to be the person that, <laughs> you know, like, I had so many, once I finally moved in, I had people, like, on my soap quite often. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So, this is a funny story. I kind of remember, like, moving in to the living room, and, like, within the first few days, if not, like, maybe the first night or second night, I, we went out, or, I went out, and I wore purple jeans, I remember wearing these, like, light lilac colored jeans, is how I remember this stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I remember going and meeting up with some cats I met, and you came with me to the Bowery Poetry Club, right? You come oh my to, god!
2: Our go poetry club. I think and so. Yeah.
1: That was the night, and then like, then that was the night that I met all the guys that ended up hooking me up with like Tom Hamilton and that whole crew, and Joe Russo. And that was the night that all my connections with all those people started. Like, it like, was but this immediate. was this was like. like
2: like, had you we already, about, you, you had already known the Teeleys guys, though?
1: I had already known the Teeleys guys, but I didn't know, like, anybody as far as, like, the New York music scene or really what was happening. Like, I didn't know, like, even as far as, like, the Disco Biscuits guys or Philly or anything. You know, like, mm-hmm. I had, because I met the Teeleys true, you know, when we were still at Bonaventure. So once I, once I started traveling with music and stuff, like, I went to festivals and met all them, but, like, I wasn't, like, friends with them. You know? Right. Then, I mean, I don't I, It wasn't, like... But, I mean, like, that was the... I feel like I moved into your apartment, and then the connections that ended up becoming part of, like, the beginning of my arting happened like the first week I moved into your place. 100%. <laughs> well, I
2: mean... That's that's typical you. Like you're definitely the type of person who, you know, just your your outgoing nature is what what <laughs> lends to that happening. <laughs> like, it's it, and outgoing. I guess that's that's almost like almost too. That's soft like a really of a nice way to describe story, it. Right? It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a nice it's a nice way to say it. Like, yeah, but yeah, it's
1: really let's sweet. just say
2: Jess Jess, ins, Jess inserts herself. You know, and some people like it, like me. Other people, sometimes they don't, but that's okay, (laughs) you know. If you don't ask, you won't receive. (laughs) No,
1: well, I mean, good. I didn't even know, like, at the time, you know, seriously, like, I just remember meeting all, like, everybody and just even, like, going to the shows that you and I were going to and, like, the stuff that we were doing in New York. And, like, I just was... So like wanted to be around these artists and creators, like and musicians and stuff. And it's just like so cliche to say like now that I'm, as a like I'm a painter, like oh music inspires me, like obviously, right? But I mean, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Oh, absolutely! It's okay. crazy.
2: I'm looking back through all these photos, and I just got to the ones from that turnstile one year anniversary party, which you were at. And the picture that is in the, your post for this show today is, is, you know what I'm looking at right now. It's so funny Blast. looking at this like 11 years ago, 11 right. years ago. Like this is insane. Oh my God. So
1: <laughs> you guys, so you and Dan started doing turnstile in 2008. So this was after I was out of the apartment, but like, Meanwhile, right. like, we're still, too, like, I finally get my own place somewhere. I don't even remember how that all came to be. Like, I do, but that's another story for another day. Um, but now at this point, like, you and Dan Melnick get together, and you have this plan to do turnstile music groups. So, like, I'm out doing my thing. You're doing your thing. And kind of remind me how turnstile ended up coming to be, because there was a good, like, Eight year period where you guys were doing showcases like every week with, like, oh, yeah, lot, like, like many, many, Oof. many, like seven, ten people on the bill. And people were like, Yeah, like they wanted to do this. It really got like a reputation and like a following as far as like you know, ways that you can play gigs in New York and stuff like that. So,
2: for sure, that
1: story? It's,
2: it's so it's, it's pretty interesting how it started. Like, basically. You know, so after you had moved out, like, I think at that time, I, let's see, I had been temping a little bit, and I was, like, you know, trying to, like, find, like, my first, like, full-time salary job, and I ended up, you know, my roommate, Dave, and my good friend, Chris, who was, like, my freshman year roommate in college, they had both, Um, taking jobs at Geico out in Long Island. And so they got me an interview. I took a sales position there. um, And, you know, it was like, worked that for like a year, you know, left that job, like hating it, like, you know, knowing I wanted to do something different with my life. And no, I the jobs again.
1: in New York City, I mean, the jobs in New York City are <laughs> unlike anything, like, if you're not in a legitimate, like, employed position, like, you will find yourself in a cubicle that's a call center that you <laughs> don't even know why you're calling the person you're calling, but they're paying oh, for you, sure. like, 15 bucks an hour, so you're doing it. <laughs> like, it is... Yeah, insane. I'm so sorry. They just had like such a flashback of like, <laughs> like you just no, like absolutely. just describing like, yeah.
0: Okay, go
2: ahead. <laughs> I that's and that's yeah. I definitely did some like interesting temp jobs, and there was like a lot of like yeah, sitting in some cubicle like doing data entry, like you know, just trying to like, you know shoot the breeze with like you know the random people you're working with for like that week or two before that job like is over and you're scrambling to find another one and I don't know it's it's weird like I Dude, I got this one person...
1: thing I got this one thing yeah. that was in Long Island was in Long Island City before Long Island City like was built up and I remember like taking the subway like you know taking all new subways to get somewhere I had never been before but I was like yo this is the job <laughs> of the week and this is like after I already been an ice cream man and ice cream woman and like you know god knows what else and um so I like take this shady subway over to Long Island City and I like walk and I get up into this building and I'm like looking around this office and they're like yeah, we pay you at the end of every day, and I'm like, I think you should pay me at the beginning of the day. <laughs> like, I don't know about this.
0: <laughs> like, it was so you're
2: crazy. like, I'm gonna, you're gonna, like, I'm gonna need a daily advance to work.
0: Yeah, so, like I'm like, you you know, pay me when I come in. Imagine, like. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Imagine, like, that, like, Jess, you're you're so forceful that they actually did that. And it became, like, a thing that people are like, no, this is, like, the new workers' rights. Like, we demand (laughs) our pay before we work. This is ridiculous. Honestly, like,
1: I just didn't, like, looking around the place, like, and then I remember we had to, like, read from a script. And I was, like, I don't even remember why I was calling the people I was calling. But, like, I just remember feeling really, really not right about it like I was like uh, I don't know like I don't know I hope this uh, thing didn't I, laugh that long. stuff is it like didn't yeah that stuff is like not
2: Kool-Aid. fun yeah
1: you
0: know
2: no I, I, still, I still haven't you know and we're like 35 so yeah like
0: <laughs>
2: I really have not I mean. bought in completely to any of that still to this day but yeah well so um, oh. What were we talking so about? Anyways, oh, the, turn the, the actual so like genesis—the turn- genesis of, t- of turnstile. Yeah, how it actually started. Yeah. So let me let me get to this. So you know, I I was getting obviously like super like weary of working all these temp jobs. Like you know, not working in music still, even though that had been my intention like all along. And you know, I was out of work essentially, and one of my friends from home, my friend Jenny. Um, She was like, hey, listen, my ex-boyfriend, Dan, is working for this small, like, music management promotions company, and there, he mentioned to me that they are, they're hiring, like, they're looking to bring someone on. And so you know, for me, I was like, okay, this is like the, you know, the only like music related opportunity I've like had come my way in a, a long time. Like, let me see, you know, what this is all about. Like, let me reach out to Dan. So I reach out to Dan and he's like, yeah, you know, it's like me and like, you know, this one other kid, we're working for this guy, Markel. And so, you know, basically I meet up with him at Don Hills. Do you remember Don Hills?
1: Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs>
2: that place, that place, I I wonder if they're even still open, but, like, that was a classic New York rock club, you know, like, sure. Soho area, like, really weird, like, their in-house promoter, Um, oh, my God, what was his name, Nick Camp, I think, was, like, this old, you know, holdover from, like the like eighties like New York oh. rock club scene, like oh, you know, nice. total metal guy, like you oh. know, was like so was so into like that era of like metal that he was wearing like he I'm almost positive that he this dude had like he had like a fake wig that was like, you know, the long like eighties style hair you know that he was wearing like still to that day in two thousand eight, you know, because he was like ashamed that he had gone bald. You know, in the subsequent years, like yeah, dude, it's, it's thirty years. So
0: like,
2: yeah, it's twenty twenty five years later, bro. Like no one still dresses or looks like this. Like this is insane. Like no one cares that you're bald and you're like, you know, you're like well into your fifties. Like who cares, dude? Like you know, it's like so asinine, like so funny, but. <laughs> I Anyways, love so. I love New York City.
1: Like the characters, it's just unbelievable. I oh my god, so oh much fun. So many weirdos. Like so many weirdos. Like it's just like <laughs> it's something that you honestly can't even really describe unless you've put in enough time there for it to take hold. Like you can you can be in New York for like a month and still not even understand like how bizarre it can get, like, it's just, you have to really, like, put in a couple years at least to, like, get the full flavor of it. Um, yeah,
2: that's true. It's, like, you, yeah, you can visit New York on any given day and see a cra- see crazies on the street, but, like, yeah, unless you live there and you really start interacting with people in, like, different right. scenarios and work environments, like, you have no clue. <laughs>
0: like, no
1: idea. But, no idea. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so,
0: but, and I love it. Okay. Like,
1: it's so changed, like, my whole l- way of life and thinking 100% by living in New York City. So I don't know if that's good or Absolutely. bad, but it definitely, it definitely did some damage. Okay, so <laughs> back, to you, back to you, Brian. So, back, it's back to
2: you. So so yes, yeah, so I go to meet Dan at Don Hills, right? And I'm like, you know, hopefully, like, this dude's cool because my – you know, thinking going into this is, like, my friend Jenny, like, she honestly, like, was responsible for this whole thing, because she had broken up with Dan, like, a few mm-hmm. months prior to this. They had been dating yes. for a couple years, right? They'd started dating in college, and it was, like, not a good breakup, like, and I'm pretty sure that Dan was responsible for the breakup, and well, she bring was not Jenny happy.
1: for for being, yeah, like, exactly. dope about
2: it, you know, because, like. Exactly, but it's so true, like, because honestly, like, she was not a fan of Dan at the time, And she still was like, Hey, listen, like, I know you're trying to do this. Like he's doing this, like, you know, they're looking for people. So she made that possible, like, because she was like being cool about it. You know, she could have totally been like, nah, screw it. Dan sucks. Like, you know, we just broke up. I'm not, I'm not going to like link up my, my buddy with him, you know? Right. But she did, you know, and.
1: That's (laughs) not how it works in every situation. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I've been through that, but like. Right. Yeah. some people some people yes yeah, some people no you know what I mean like with that like you're oh, like yeah sure. that person's like really not good to get involved with but you're like just because the relationship didn't work out doesn't mean they're not good business people
2: yeah I mean <laughs> and think, think about it like you know at the time we're still like super young you know it's like
0: right. 24
2: and right. to be that mature about it is actually like incredible You know, And so, like, fortunately, I mean, you know, I'm going in thinking, like, this guy's kind of a dick, like, you know, like, but then I'm like, let me just, like, you know, I'm like, let me, like, be cool. Let me see what's going on. And, you know, we ended up, like, hitting it off, like, and he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to get, you know, this guy that I'm working with to hire you. And I got a little flavor for, like, what they were doing because I met at Don Hills because they were doing a show there that night, and Dan was kind of, like, running, you know, the show that night. And, you know, it's, like, you know, super humble stuff. Like, we're just, you know, working with, like, local bands, you know, most of these bands, you know. I always ask this to people, like, when when they, you know, talk about what I would do for work. I'd be like, you know, how many people do you think – you know, a local band brings to their show on average, you know? And what what do you think, Jess, after even being around this for so many years, what what do you think is like the average a band is bringing out to a show? Seven people see and you you know like you hit it pretty much right on the head and we kept really good like records because in new york you know you pull the door right you pull every person to see who they're coming right and that's how the bands get paid and it's like you know it really was over the years like average of seven to eight people you know and that's super low no you you hit it right on like legitimately (laughs) but when, when when i asked that question to like anybody else. They're like, yeah, I don't know, like 50 people. You know, literally that's like, that's, that's the, that's the average, that's the average answer I get. And I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, if every band we worked with over the years was averaging 50 people, first of all, we'd still be doing it right now and we'd be much more financially secure and working with much bigger bands and doing much bigger shows at this point, you know, but that's the fact it really is a grind. And that's the reason why in the beginning we were doing shows where there were, you know, bills, where there was like, you know, seven, eight bands, you know, I mean, right. and then there was even, it like, we would have really long showcases during CMG, you know, CMJ week, where it was like, you know, okay, we're doing literally, like, a 12-hour a block of time, and so we have 10 bands on, you know, like, so it's like, that's the thing we, you know, if it was up to us, we would not book more than three bands on a bill, you know, like a standard kind right. of, like, showcase thing, which is what I was... Doing you know the last you know six, seven years here in San Francisco, but like because of the nature of what we were doing and and the nature of New York and like how low the draws really were on average for these bands that are starting out, you know we had to do numbers you know eventually like well, in those last you know four to five years in New York, you know most of our showcases were only three bands, but we would have four to five showcases every week pretty much. Like, no less than three a week, period. So,
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's a realization with that type of stuff. Like, first of all, when you're talking about local bands, you're talking about New York City and surrounding areas, New Jersey, Long Island, which, you know, we know the talent that comes out of that area. And you guys, Turnstile especially, has had quite a few people that, did showcases with Turnstile that went on to, like, America's Got Talent and American Idol and all sorts of, so, you know, it really does count and it does matter. But the perception of New York City is that, like, every show is a big show, every show is a sellout, and every band is, like, you know, in New York. There's still the same thing in New York City that is in every small city, every small town, you know, like the upstarters. And, you know, it's harder, I almost think, in environments like that to get people out because you're surrounded by all this entertainment, you know? I mean, like, I know the shows that I, I bebopped around to, of course, and, you know, like, they were all bigger shows, and it was, like, three, four big shows a night, like, Music Hall of Williamsburg and Irving Plaza and like running here, running there, you know, and like seeing all this big stuff. So to compete with that, and to be acknowledged in that competitive market, when I mean it's just like you know, that's a real hurdle and accomplishment <laughs> no, because you guys did it for quite some time. Yeah, you
2: know, you know? and and more to like what you know to talk what you, about what you were mentioning like. It's kind of, we, we would notice, you know, because after the first year or, yeah, I, I would say even, at, like, by the end of that first year, we had, like, expanded, you know, the number of bands we were working with so drastically. Like, we were really working hard to, like, constantly scout new bands, constantly, like, you know, get our friends Friends, bands, you know, and then like keep the chain going from there. Like keep getting referrals, keep getting referrals, and like just like grow the number of artists that we were working with, and and try to really help them, you know, you know, just troubleshoot ways of growing their fan bases. Um, but we we started getting you know more and more artists from out of town that wanted to work with mm-hmm. us, right? You know, because we started to have a little bit more of a presence online. And, you know, we're getting like okay, you know, when you're a musician, right, it's like you have friends who play in other bands, right? And then so they, they're like, okay, well, you know, here's our other friend's band. And it just so happens that there's a guy in this band who, you know, he grew up in Ohio and, like, his well, buddies I mean, have a band back in Ohio. and They want to come to New York and play a show, right? So it's like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, we'll give them a chance, right? Like, we understand that. It's, like, not easy to,
1: hard to you know, but, to well, expand. I mean, I sent you a couple bands from Baltimore somewhere to play in New York. Exactly. To get their New York you know. show, like to try to get their feet wet up there, you know, which was like a cool opportunity because, you know, it's not, unless you're, you are connected and like are you know, like even to open shows in New York, unless you just like anywhere else, you know. When my friends open for the bands that come in from out of town in Baltimore, it's because they have a decent draw in Baltimore. They help those bands. So it's absolutely, the same difference in, it's the same difference in New York. So if you're um, a touring band, like if you're in Umphrey's McGee or whatever, this is also, mind you, ten. We're talking twelve years ago. So and you're playing, <laughs> we're, and you're playing a venue like Irving Plaza or something like you're looking for an opener for those nights that are going to help fill and keep that room filled. So it's not like you can just be like, Hey, you know, Bob, this band, you just come on in here and play, you know, like it's really tough. Yeah. And that's,
2: that's, that's totally the thing that we would be telling bands, you know, it's like you, we want to help you build your draw up to like a hundred plus consistently so that, you know, when we do have these opportunities where we can help, you know, book an opener or support act for a large national touring band that's coming through to, you know, Bowery ballroom, you know, or Irving, you know, or Brooklyn Bowl ended up being, like, our, like, legit bigger venue connection, like, in, you know, in those later years, you know, yeah. they, yeah, they need, they need, they need to know, <laughs> they need to know, like, that, yeah, this band is going to put a hundred bodies in this room, no questions asked, you know? Right. Um, so, let's so talk about,
1: kind of, because we got to get moving here on time, because I could talk to you forever, Yeah, um, I have to go make these. I have to go and these paintings, Anne. Um, so I want to <laughs> talk about, because I, I think it's a really important conversation to have because we're already kind of segueing into it. The difficulties that it is to, like, break, that we have that, to break into, like, the music entertainment business um, and to kind of find your footing and stuff that's consistent. So you can legit call, like like, I'm a music industry professional or whatever. It's really, really difficult right. to do. And it can also be extremely wearing because what you're trying to do is turn your passion into your work. Because for me, the thing that I realized is that is that I was spending so much time around music and art is that I had to get start getting paid for it somehow. You know what I mean? Because right. I, was, I was like literally spending too much time around it. So I had to get paid or else I was like, I don't know what I was going to do. And, (laughs) but like with that said, like, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of emotional things that have gone along with this that have, I mean, I've digressed from working in music to the degree that I did. I mean, I'm still extremely active and involved, but like, um, For me, I was so inside of it that, you know, once I really found, like, my painting and, like, that was, like, the new focus, I was able to go back to enjoying music again. And if my art parlayed into music and I got to, you know, include it, like, that was, that's awesome, right? Like, that's the end goal. But I wasn't in, I'm not involved music like I used to be and now I enjoy music again and like going to shows and doing all this stuff and I think you know it's a pretty classic tale that once you get inside the music and you're like you know involved with all this stuff that, and you see like kind of the thing you know the way the industry works some of the difficult things that go on blah 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 it can change the pleasure of working in the or. The pleasure of what you used to enjoy. I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. You know, like you used to really love and be passionate for music. And then it becomes like a, you know, kind of like a headache or like you're like struggling with it. So kind of walk us through that whole period for you when turnstile became difficult and it was affecting how you felt about, you know, music in general and all that stuff. Because I think that's like a common tale that we don't really tell that often.
2: That's true. Yeah. I I don't think it is spoken about enough, um, you know, that when you really are,
0: you know, in the
2: industry and you're taking it seriously and you are devoting your life to it, because it is, it is ends up being, you know, very different than your regular nine to five office job that a lot of people get to leave their work at the office. Right. Um, You end up, you know, it ends up kind of consuming your life 24 seven. You're always on, you're working a lot of nights, a lot of late nights and a lot of weekends, which are not as enjoyable as you get older and move into your thirties. Right. Those are, those are things that you really love when you're in your twenties, you know, and you're having a good time and getting to socialize and party a little bit more. But, you know, the older you get, like, the more tiring that becomes and the less interesting that becomes. Um, But, yeah, you know, it's just like anything. Like, a job is a job at the end of the day. And when when you take it seriously because you want to make your living doing it, then it becomes a job. And so, you know, the little problems that arise and the obstacles that arise in, you know, making sure that a show runs smoothly and that, like, you know, you know your bands are there on time to sound check or they're even on there to, you know, start their set on time. Like, they've brought people through the door and, you know, so now the club is, like, happy and they're not, like, breathing down your neck, you know, and threatening to, like, pull that weekly, you know, Wednesday night show that you're Pop, doing there, yeah. which you, you know, like, all of these things, you know, every little detail, you know, basically becomes, like, a point at which you can falter and like fail, and you know, and you are like, reliant on other
1: people to like, you know, like exactly. Part of you don't have being a talent buyer and a talent booker is not necessarily booking based on talent or sound or how good you are as a band or how great you look. It's like, will they be there, and will they show up yeah. with quality <laughs> work? <well anymore? laughs> like
2: exactly, you can be exactly,
1: amazing, a, but like.
2: yeah there's such a balance there's such a balance of like yes of course you want to book and support artists that you actually enjoy and think are talented and think deserve to be heard by a broader audience but also booking artists that are like somewhat responsible and organized and on time and are doing the hard work of like promoting and getting people out to the show, you know, cause I, I would right. tell bands, you know, it's like, dude, I can, I can promote to my large network of people till I'm blue in the face about a band they've never heard of, you know, but what does even better is when you've come and played a show with us, And you brought 100 people through the door, and now, like, I have, like, some video content of that, and, like, they can see, like, oh, wow, like, this band already has, like, a little buzz around them, they have a following, like, you know, let me, yeah, Riccardi's been talking about them, like, you know, I see that he's booked them, like, two or three times now, like, yeah, actually, I'm going to go see, I'm going to go to his show and see them now, because,
1: they yeah, look like, that looks you know exciting. It looks fun.
2: Yeah. yeah it looks exciting it looks fun it looks like people are taking interest in this band you know maybe I should take interest too right that mob mentality kicks in with people no matter where you are like you know we would have shows at Uncle Mike's which was like that that was like a real first home base down in Tribeca yeah. I love
1: you know Uncle and Mike. it's
2: like yeah you you definitely yeah mm-hmm. that was probably the place that you spent the most time out with us you I know? know for some reason and I really
1: was... got into that story <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that was, that was such a great place for us to start you know like it was like they oh, yeah. they didn't really like know like how to run the music properly like you know that i mean that this is the big thing like i financed that, our operation there like they had no sound system i put i put down my credit which is probably at this point worse than it was when i was 24 you know to literally well, go yeah, guitar starting somewhere. on
1: the credit then <laughs>
2: yeah you know it was like i you know go the guitar center i i'm buying us like a new mixing board um tons of xlr cables you know mic new microphones so a couple stands like you know uh guitar amp bass amp like bought a whole drum kit off of a friend got luckily got the friend's price you know it's it's actually it's actually dan larkham's younger brother brian big shout out to, to big b but
1: you
2: know it's like <laughs> You know, we basically bought the whole sound system, PA, and the backline, you know, because that's the thing in New York, too. Like, every club has to have all the backline gear, you know. Bands are not, you know, most bands are not going to lug their complete drum set, all their amps, you know, and everything out to a show. It's got to be more of, like, a plug-and-play situation, you know, because no one has cars, you know what I mean? They're, like, bringing their, like, guitars on the subway, you know, slash, I remember when like, we did
1: when we did the pop rock show at um, Sullivan Hall, aka Old Lions Den and RIT, yeah. and um, we had the the blizzard happened and tugboat was like trying to get the drums off <laughs> off the subway, and I was just because he couldn't drive, he couldn't drive, and it was just like right total insanity. Total
2: yeah, it's it's such a like yeah, it's such a tough thing to do, you know. So that's why it's like that. That was actually something that surprised me when I got out here to to San Francisco in 2012, realizing none of these clubs have backline, you know. And so every band has to bring their gear, and then like that was adding another layer of like, you know, organization, you know, for, okay, on my yeah. end where it's like. You know, I got to get, like, I got to try to get one band to be the band who's going to, like, bring their complete drum kit and let the other two bands' drummers use their kit. Play it. You know? Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. And it's, like,
2: it's not easy to get someone to do that. Slash, you know, it's, like, you know how it is with artists and musicians. Like, the the whole, like, you know, difficulty in this job is just literally organizing groups of people that, by their nature, are disorganized. You know, exactly. Like,
1: that's a, I,
2: think, I, I know it I think sounds like, like a stereotype, things, but it's very true.
1: That's what I was saying about like, you're reliant on other people. Like your business is really reliant on other people. And, you know, also right. like when you're choosing the people you're working with, you're choosing based on talent and also like, you know, reliability and like, is this the first, you know, like, can I count on these people? I'm going to put in this time and effort. And like, I go through that even still to this day where I get gigs and not even like, you know, like painting gigs or, you know, mural gigs or whatever. And it's like an idea. And then we move through the process and the idea changes and things move around and whatever. And it's just like, all right, you know, my, literally my income, it's not for a lack of opportunity, but it's reliant on everybody else abiding by what they agree to do. (laughs)
2: Absolutely, and and that Nowadays, that speaks to really what to that speaks to what you were saying about just like you know becoming a little bit disillusioned, you know, working in the industry, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, you have you you part of the reason like for me that I wanted to have my own businesses because I, I don't know, I've always just kind of been independent and like, I wanted to have more control over my life and my work life. And that's still true for me to this day, you know, um, even as I'm like on the search for a corporate job, you know, which in my mind is already a temporary like stepping stone to like me launching another business some point here in the near future. But you know, it's it's this thing where it's like I wanted to kind of have control over my work life, you know, and and work obviously was something that I was passionate and interested about and that I loved. But, you know, you you, you start to realize even in that scenario where I don't have a boss who's like giving me deadlines and you know and I'm working like you know I gotta commute and like wear a suit and be in a cubicle that there's right. you still end up kind of you're at the kind of whim of a lot of other people still you know and you're you kind of have to rely on a lot of other people still and you know when you when you're kind of um I don't know if let down is the right word, but, you know, people don't come through for you, you know, over and over and over and over again, you know, it it bears you down, you know, exactly. It's very frustrating. So
1: it's, you know, and I mean, I say that often that like, you know, since people are like, Oh, and I just think it's such an important conversation to have, because I have such respect for anybody, no matter if it's in the entertainment business or not that, start their own company, they run it, and they make it happen no matter what their interests are or, you know, like, they, they do what they want to do. Like, I just think that's incredible. And then I think when you add the dose of art and entertainment to it, there's kind of like a switch, you know, like, if you go out and you're, like, an independent, you know, you have your own, like, law practice or whatever, you're still an attorney, Right. But it's like, okay, right. I'm starting my art business. I'm going to work in the music industry. And then it switches. Like, well, you're, you do what you love to do every day and blah, blah, blah. And the perception of what your business entails kind of goes away because, you know, you're at the concert or you're, you know, in your studio painting all the time or whatever. And, yes, that's true. But also, like, it's a 24-hour cycle in the sense of all the preparation that goes into being able for me to make this painting or for you to put on that show. And, you know, I feel like there, that gets lost in the translation sometimes of when you're an industry professional in music or art or entertainment. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, and it's such a huge part of, culture and what people do as their escape, you know? And so when you end up being the person like, you know, that has great intentions with something to provide like that escape or that solstice for the public, you know, it really does take a lot of work. And, you know, I'm just like, so kind of in tune with that. And like, I hope for you because I know how passionate you are about this stuff that, you know, even if like by talking about this, it gets like some juices flowing and motivation for you to get like back on it, especially out in San Francisco. Cause I know it's been like kind of tough in the sense of just like finding that. I think it's like the, like the trust that you can like trust in it again. You know what I mean? Like I have to like constantly remind myself that, that like, like, if I keep doing the work, I, I trust this process. I trust that it'll work. You know what I mean? Right. Because I I have that talk no, with I, myself a lot.
2: <laughs> that's, no, and, and, and so that that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, that was something that Dan and I would have to constantly kind of remind ourselves or kind of have similar discussions, you know, and it would kind of pop up, like, you know, once every month kind of thing, you know, it's like, you know, oh, rents due, like, you know, just coming down to the wire here, like, you know, kind of just like constantly reassessing, like, you know, is this working? You know, can we like continue to deal with the stress, you know, of of this, um, and, and how tough it is financially. And then, you know, it's like and many well, you and know, and like we you, really we, hu- we hung we be... hung on, you know, for ten years, you know. It's like yeah, we we yeah. kept we kept making we kept making enough small steps forward, you know, enough progress for a very long time to, you know, negate any of the like the problems that we were having or the obstacles that, you know, we right. weren't necessarily overcoming right away, you know? So it was kind of one of those things where we did ha- we did have this idea, like you're saying, I don't know if we ever voiced it as like trusting in the process, but more kind of like we had this mantra of like, we know that we're not going to like hit success right away right and even when we have like a really great show or a really great week you know it, it's most likely going to be followed by a really bad one um but that shouldn't discourage us and you know the the way to really like um break through and kind of become more stable and and legitimately successful in it is to kind of like persevere, you know, and the 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 people or or the businesses, the companies that end up like winning, so to speak, are the ones who can like keep taking the punches, right. And like, keep getting back up, you know, Mm -hmm. and they get, they get up one more time than like their opponent. Right. Like when everyone gives up, you know, and most businesses fail like in the first year or whatever, like, you know, especially for like promoters and, and, you know, talent buyers and that kind of stuff. Like, and it's like, you know, we just gotta like, we just gotta like, tough it out you know just a little bit longer than our competition right Mm -hmm. and you know having that mentality for a long time is what like kind of kept us going for for so long um you know but it's that's the thing it's like you know I guess everybody has a different threshold for like how much they're willing to put up with and how much they're willing to
1: um
2: you know, give up or sacrifice, you know, on their quest for success, whatever success is for them, you know?
1: Well, that's what I, you know, like I think with this, you know, because two weeks ago was not the best week. If you, if you all listened back to my show with Nigel Hall, I could have been in I was probably having like a mental <laughs> breakdown. Um, and not that I still am not, but you know,
2: we're living. So
1: um, <laughs> Today's a new no, day. But today is a new day. Um, no, but like for real <laughs> one of the things with you know this artwork and stuff is that I am really like in tune with watching like where things sell and where you can make money in art and for me, ultimately, my goal is to become the best artist I can be in the lifetime I'm on this planet you know and if mm-hmm. that gets to be, like the more that that gets to be enjoyed by people, of course I enjoy that and if I, and I want to make money off of it because I want to be able to do this all the time and so, you know I've switched gears a lot many times over the 10 years that I've been doing this, you know where I see I can make the money I need to survive, right, and like now I'm on murals and I have a space where I can make murals and do all this sort of stuff and I'm learning that like tactic, like that Um, those fundamentals and teaching myself those fundamentals and stuff so I can make that money to continue this process. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. It's it's been like the type of thing where like, you know, I think the perception of just even creative life now and all that sort of stuff is that people just really want to see the glitz and the glam of it. And they don't want to hear you bitch and moan about it because you get to do what you love to do. And, you know, there's a couple realities with that. If you get to a certain point with your, with a creative career and you're like, oh no, like this isn't working out, you know, like and you go to try to find like a regular real job, it can hurt you. (laughs) You know, like you don't necessarily, you're not like an ideal candidate. you, you know, you're obviously a self-starter and a self-motivator and, you know, you're you're out, you know, you necessarily aren't a team player and all this sort of stuff, so it doesn't necessarily help you. You'd think, like, oh, I had my own company for 10 years. Like, that should be impressive to somebody. It can also be a turnoff, you know, in yeah, the regular
2: corporate world. Yeah, and that's, cor- that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm, like, so, gra- grappling with right now. Like, you know, as I look for something, like... Because, you know, it's like, yeah, we're both East Coast people, like, things are, you know, for as liberal or progressive politically the Northeast is and how that aligns with the West Coast, at the same time, like, in terms of just regular day-to-day life and how people behave, you know, the Northeast is still much more traditional, and I think – I am banking on a little bit of the fact that out here, especially in this, like, you know, ever kind of growing world of tech, like, you know, and, and how that's, like, affecting work culture out here, um, you know, that there is a little bit more of a um, kind of, you know, recognition um, or, um value placed on, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur and, and having run your own business. So I think hopefully, you know, in the right scenarios here, it is going to play to my advantage as I pick up my job search again, um, soon. But you know, it is, yeah, it is kind of a fear that you have where it's like, this doesn't translate to the regular work world at all. Yeah. Right.
1: That's the sacrifice you make when you like people are like, oh, you know, like, no, the sacrifice you're making when you attempt to be a creative professional is being aware of the fact that it could work out to a certain degree, but not go all the way. And then, you know, kind of what you're left with are your options are it can it can it can fuck you up a little bit. So, you know, you're put in a a position where it's like, man, I better make this work. And for me, that's where I am with my career, you know, and I don't and I think people much prefer to hear about all the good shit and not hear about the hard times. But like, you know, the reality is, you know, the sacrifice I took for this was a huge risk on like future potential. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, in the back of your mind, when you're in, like, the middle space and you see things that are, you know, it's diff- it's really difficult and all that sort of stuff, and you still have to produce the work or follow up with the work. Like, in the back of your mind is, like, oh, man. This, you know, I hope <laughs> this works out. I hope, I hope this works right. out. Like, you know what I mean? And so, I, for you, that's, man, I just, like, I hope you find yourself super, back in – something that like lights you up, like how music used to. And like, I know that that'll come back to, you know, like just as like it being no, I know I, it's, like, I, pleasurable for you again.
2: I appreciate that. And that's the thing that I do think that yeah, people don't really, truly appreciate um, what it really means to like take a risk like that and how much it really can affect you and um, prevent you from like, leading a stable and dignified life. Right. It's it's tough. It really is tough. And I think, you know, for me, I've always kind of been like, well, you know, ultimately, yes, this is my choice. You know, I want to like say that I, you know, went into it like eyes wide open knowing exactly what it is, but let's be serious. Like at the age of 24, like, you know, I didn't exactly know exactly what I was signing up by not just like, you know, going and doing the regular thing and going to work for some big company and like towing the company line and you know what I mean like right. you, you don't you don't quite understand it until you're older
0: it's such an yeah. interesting
1: concept for me though because like what we provide to the public or, like what our job is is the stuff that everybody works to make money for you know what I mean it's like all the it's, it's like right. you go to work every day to enjoy you know, art and music and entertainment, like however you see it. Like if you like, you know, I consider NASCAR a form of art. Like if that's your thing and that's how you spend your money, you work every day to go do those things. And like, you know, the kid that's like, I'm going to be a race car driver. I'm sure their parents are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So like, it's, (laughs) it's funny how, you know, the and, he, and you know it's that, funny about
2: that, just I actually I have a cousin out here in California who's like making it in the racing world.
1: Really? He's That's like
2: so 20, He's like twenty five now. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like, it's so insane. I'm like, what of my are my friends from the Chili's
1: like, crew? Their kid is like this like badass samurai. Like he could do all these like crazy knife tricks and like whatever. And yeah. you know. And Jake is just like the coolest looking kid and I'm like, yo, you should just like, let him play with knives. Like he's like a professional already. Like he's won awards and stuff. And, like, <laughs> Holly's like, I know like my kid's going to be like the professional, like kid that plays with knives. Like she's like, I'm oh, whatever, <laughs> you know, like she's like, I can't. <laughs> um, oh, no, but it God. is, you know, like, I just think it's like a valuable conversation to have because I think it gets like lost and forgotten. And, you know, there's been times that, like, people are, like, oh, you know, it's, like, you know, you know, I just, like, am so grateful to be in this position. And, like, you know, there's been so many people that, like, like along the way have, like, supported this mission. And, like, you, like, definitely were part of getting this started as far as I'm concerned. You're in, like, the top three. Um, and, yes. You know, it's, like, <laughs> It's like, you know, here we are, like, you know, almost like 15 years later and 10 years of the arting. And, like, one of the big things that's, like, always front and, like, forefront in my mind is that I don't want to disappoint anyone. I certainly don't want to disappoint my family. I don't want to, like, we've come so far in this and I'm trying so hard. And, like, I so appreciate listening to my friends and, like, you guys, like, everyone being so candid because it reminds me, like, how fortunate of a situation this is and you know, like I'm just like out here trying to like make everybody proud that this is Listen, you, you,
2: you know what you, I mean? Like I'm, I'm similar to you in that way where it's like, yeah, I want to like, you know, make family and friends like, you know, proud of me, but you, you, at the end of the day, it's like, you, you gotta like, you gotta do it for you first and foremost. Like, you know what I mean? It's because as much as it's nice for family and friends to share in the successes with you, like they're not living the day-to-day struggle with you, you know, necessarily. And, and hopefully, and I know, you know, especially with your mom, like, you know, they're there for you when you need them, but it's like, you know, they're still not like literally there day-to-day seeing how hard it is and the stress that comes with living and taking a non-traditional path. Um, so, you know, it's like, you still got to like, you know, you still got to just keep doing it for you if it continues to, to, to make you happy and keep, you know, and that's the thing. I do think that I've hit a point, you know, in, in this last year where it was like, you know, we kind of made a decision where it was like the stresses of everything, you know, um, we're at, we're not, you know, we're kind of outweighing the positives of it. And, oh. um, uh, you know, it was, it was time to kind of like, you know, move, move on to something new, you know? Um, So hopefully, hopefully I will have something new soon, but you know, I'm, I'm still a little bit, um,
1: you know, how I'm going to reintegrate into that world. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like a bad breakup too. It's like, you know, it's, it's a relationship because it's a passion. Like if you go to your job every day and you clock in, you don't care. You do what you got to do. You fulfill your quota and then you clock out and you leave and, you know, you go home and you live like your other life. Like part of me like kind of envies that now.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. No, I totally, I totally get that. You know,
1: so like when you have something like this that like kind of, you know, something you've invested in and it's a personal attachment and whatever and you shift gears and it ends or whatever, like it's an emotional thing too because it's you know, like you're like, you're ending this like part of you so I'm really excited to see kind of what you come up with. I'm always here for you. I'm always down to like, you know, be a part of whatever you have up your sleeve if you need me and um, just, you know, I'm going to and on this note, Bri, I just like so appreciate you and our friendship over the years <laughs> and everything. Just love you. And
2: I I, just, you know, I, pre- I appreciate you too, Han. I wanted to throw the hon in there hon. for all the the Bal- Baltimore folks.
0: <laughs> but yeah,
2: I um I definitely you know I've I've you know always appreciated your support over the years, and you know hopefully when the time is right for me to launch my next thing. Cause you know, that is kind of always in the back of my mind, sometimes in the forefront of my mind that I'm going to probably end up launching some other business at some point and taking on some new adventure. Um, I will let you know, you know, you, you will be
1: one of the first. All right. time, so. All right. All right. Well, um, I look forward to it. Well, you have a good day, bud. This is great catching up and I hope to see you soon. And for all of us here, at Jeff Messon Broadcast on Lions Radio Network. You have been listening to me, Jeff Full, talk with one of my best, dear, good friends, Brian McCartney, who's out in San Francisco, who is the man that literally helped me start it all. So uh, thanks, Brian, for being here, and have a great day.
2: You too. Bye-bye.